everybody. Welcome to Sunday morning service. How are we doing on Memorial Day weekend? Amen. We're getting ready to start the summer, it looks like. And uh, praise God, lots of friends and family traveling and doing holiday plans. But praise God, we're going to have a really great time together today. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and open up just as we always do by speaking some words of faith over the United States. And as we can tell, our country needs it more than ever. Amen. And uh, and so we aren't backing down. We're going to continue to believe that God is doing a work in this great nation. Amen. Let's stand up together today. Praise God. And we're going to speak these words of faith. And, uh, and that's just it. It's words of faith. And we say it because we believe it no matter what it looks like. Amen. So let's go ahead and speak these out together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Jesus some praise today. Hallelujah. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes and do what we always do, have a little meet and greet time. So go say hello to somebody, give some hugs, some handshakes, some high fives. Make sure everybody gets a little love today. Amen. Let's go.
What a good day to be in the house of the Lord. The wind kind of blew some of us in. I saw some of the little kids in the parking lot about to float away, but praise God, uh, the ushers caught them. Good job, Cletus. All right. Um, also, I'd like to give a public thank you to everybody that uh, complimented my patriotic tie this morning. I've never received more compliments in my life. And so just know that in about four or five weeks, you're going to see it again for the 4th of July. Amen. Praise God. It's like my Thanksgiving sweater. Same sweater every year for 15 years. If, you, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Amen? All right. Do the announcements. Do something important here. Consistency, right? Praise God for consistency. Okay, so today, uh, all of our children's church, all of our Jam kids and Jam Junior kids are in victory for a movie day. So after service, you'll pick them all up in victory. And we'll remind you that again at the end of service. There is no PM service tonight, so go hang with your friends and hide from the wind. Cool? Okay. Um, June scripture reading also this coming month has like a commentary, a devotional with it from pastor. Isn't that really cool? So every day you get a mini sermon with your Bible reading, which is so cool. So those of us who hear pastor and Miss P in our head, then when you go to read, now you'll really hear them. So that'll be great. It'll help us in life, right? Uh, men's meeting is this Saturday at 9. Woohoo! Pastor Dave is teaching for you. And it's a pancake breakfast. So for the first time, here's what we're doing. You're going to get involved in your breakfast. I know, men, you've not had to do a potluck or a pitch-in at all. But here it comes, okay? You are going to bring your favorite pancake topping. Okay? This can be bacon. This can be sausage. This can be fruit, whipped cream, syrup, peanut butter, whatever. Whatever you would like to have on top of a pile of pancakes, you bring it. Cool? You good? You men nodding? Nodding? Okay. So you're bringing pancake toppings. Men, it's going to be okay. All right? They're all like, what? Okay. Men's meeting this Saturday, 9 a.m., Victory Hall. And then Sunday is the cake auction. Cake auction. So if one of you ushers could pass that little thing around. So next Sunday, what I need for you to do is bring a baked good. You can make it, you can buy it, but I just need you to bring it. And then you want to bring money to give to the Lord for the youth trip. And in exchange, we'll give you something to eat that you didn't make. So cake auction next Sunday, uh, we will have tables up over here that you can bring your items and we'll number them and do all that. So after service next Sunday, cake auction. And then women, some of you women don't live by the schedule of school. Some of you are, you know, past that these days, graduate 
graduate moms. I love you graduate moms. Thank you for graduating your kids. Yes, making it through. So lots of these women, they're, they're not dictated by the schedule of school anymore. So because of that, we're still doing women's for you in June. So June women's meeting is gonna be taught by Miss Rosalinda Palakiko, and we're doing finger foods. So finger foods, anything you can eat with your hands, okay? That's the concept, veggie tray, meat tray, cheese tray, whatever, okay? Chicken fingers, stuff like that. Desserts, all good. So we'll send you a reminder, women's meeting is going to be Friday, June 10th at 6.30 in Victory Hall. Also, Father's Day is coming. Women, we know this, right? And you're going to think, thank you, men. You didn't clap for your pancakes, but now you're clapping for Father's Day. Father's Day is coming, and you need to make sure that you're inviting your sons and your husbands to church, okay? So Mother's Day, all these moms, you invite all your kids, and we have all these people for Mother's Day. And then Father's Day, y'all think that you just need to go out of town or something. Not the case. Dads, bring your kids to church, okay? Just like Mother's Day. And you can, you know, get your gift and be proud, be dad, all that good stuff. But we want to make sure that all you families get into church and so that we can celebrate all that God has done in you as dads and as godly men. Okay? So Father's Day, June 19th, there will be a gift, of course, for every dad as normal. And then water baptisms is coming June 26th. June 26th, we'll do a.m. and p.m. So 10 a.m. service and 6 p.m. service, we will be doing baptisms. So make sure you sign up at the info booth before you leave. And coming this fall, we are going to bring SMTI back. Okay, so praise the Lord for that. Miss P is going to come and tell you more about what exactly that is and what that means for you. All right, where's Cletus? There you are. Come on, Cletus. Hallelujah. Well, Cletus happens to be our SMTI dean. Isn't he awesome? Yeah, just ask him. He'll tell you. Okay. Okay, SMTI is uh, the Bible College of Dr. Mark T. Barclay. It stands for Supernatural Ministers Training Institute. And uh, it's a three-year program. You can go year one, or you, and then you can go year two if you want to, and you can go year three if you want to. But if you just want to go year one or, you know, one, two, that's fine. How many people in here are SMTI graduates? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up so they can see you. SMTI graduates. All right. Amen. 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 Okay. And some of them are working in ministry somewhere. So some of them are first year, some of them are second year, some of them have done three years. So thank you very much. So these are some of the people that have been through SMTI before. Um, SMTI is uh, three hours a week for nine months, starts in September, goes through uh, May, three nights a week. It'll be the same time every, every time. You can pay monthly. There's a discount for couples. There's also a discount for a parent and a child. Now, this is new this year. If you've got a junior or a senior in high school, yeah, this is cool, who wants to go to SMTI or wants to go with a parent, you get a discount for that. But you have to have special permission from moi, juniors or seniors, and then Dr. Barkley has to okay it. This is the first year they've done that for juniors and seniors. So that's pretty exciting, I think. Uh, let's see, what else do we have to have to do here? Um, there's a uh, couple discounts, and there's also military discounts. So 
Um, this happens to be the, the binder for year one. <laughs> I can hardly, thank you for picking it up for me. When, you, when, when the school year starts, you get this binder with nothing in it. By the time the year ends, it looks like that, and you can hardly pick it up. So there's a lot of information on this thing. So if you think that you are interested in going to Bible school, the cool thing about this is you don't have to leave town. You don't have to relocate, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can do this right here at, at a High Desert Word Center. So if you are interested, here's a little bit of information. Um, I'm going to have, raise your hand and Cletus, Cletus can uh, hand that out to you. It's got, on that sheet there, it's got uh, the prices. Yes, ma'am? Oh, you got your hand raised. Yeah, okay. I thought she had a question, you know. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh, they got questions. Yeah, so if you're interested, raise your hand. This is super, super, super good. Casey, you went too, huh? You went, yeah, she went year one. So well, this year, we'll be offering year one and year two. If there's, if I've got some year twos left over that want to do year three, then we'll have year three as well. But anyway, so um, this is new this year that you apply online. However, uh, don't do it this week. Wait a week because we have to we have to be approved to have the college here, which is no big deal. But when you when you do apply, you have you go you go down and you say, "I'm going to go to the location at Bam High Desert Word Center." You know, so the button's got to be there for you to be able to push it. So wait a week, and I'll get back with you. But you won't be. How many of you people that went to uh, SMTI are sorry you went? Anybody sorry they went? I'm not sorry I went. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. That is exciting. Um, and I've just seen the difference that it's made in so many people's lives. And some people here at Bible college and think, you know, get intimidated. But it's a commitment for sure. But it's not, you know, something where you need to be intimidated. You're going to learn about the Bible and especially learn how to uh, help out in the local church is the main focus of SMTI. And it's it's really, really incredible. So anyway, I encourage you to get that information and uh, and be a part of that. All right. Well, praise God. You know that we joke around a lot around here and uh, and have a good time. But I do want to take a minute uh, this morning and let, as most of you know, that our church has suffered a little loss this week. One of our very good members, John Salceda, uh, went home to be with the Lord on Thursday, uh, Friday morning. And, uh, and so uh, we're grieving that loss. He's got a, a lot of family in this church. And, uh, and we love them so much. They're really a, a pillar in our church, uh, the Alva family, the church family. And, and, uh, and so what I want to do this morning, uh, you know, uh, we don't want to smother them. I know sometimes we're a very affectionate family here. We can kind of get in people's bubbles. And so I don't want to uh, smother them too much. But we want to hook up our faith with them this morning and let them know we care. And we want to pray over them. Can I have our church family stand up? And I'd like for the Salceda family, if you could please come forward. We'd like to lay hands on you and uh, and just believe for the peace of God uh, to be with you guys. And, and I know that they're thankful for all the phone calls, text messages. Uh, we're delivering dinner to two households uh, this week to help these guys out. But it's really important in times of need to have a church family. And... And, you know, it's difficult enough to deal with some of these things, but thank God for Jesus and thank God for people like you that have been been there this whole time. Amen. And so uh, we want to lay hands on the family. And of course, there's lots of grandchildren. They're all next door in Children's Church this morning, but 
we love these guys, and uh, and they they love the house of God, and they love the Lord. Amen. So let's stretch our hands forward today, and we're just going to uh, release our faith for the comfort of God over these guys. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, first of all, for John, and Lord, that he loved you with all his heart, God, and that he did his best to, to raise his kids in the house of God. And, and to show them the Bible and to show them the right way. And so there's no denying that, that he loved you, Lord. And God, we're grieving right now. Yes, this, this hurts all of us. It especially hurts uh, the immediate family right here. But Lord, we thank you for your comfort and your grace, your anointing, God. You give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. It, it doesn't even make any sense how we could somehow have the peace of God through it all. But Lord, we thank you that you're wrapping your arms tightly around this family right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we're looking to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We don't have to look to any other avenue for our comfort, any other avenue for help. We look to you, Father, and we thank you that somehow, some way, you're bringing us through this. And Lord, we know that we're, we're, we're getting closer to you through all of it. And God, we thank you and we rejoice with John. He's not hurting, God. He's better than he's ever been. He's stronger and happier than he has ever been in his existence, Lord. And so we anticipate the day for that reunion, God. We're going to see him again. We're going to be together again. And from the looks of this world right now, it may not be that long because we know you're coming real soon, Jesus. And so we thank you for your comfort and your grace and help us as a church family to help them in the right way, Father. We love you and we praise you and we thank you that John's with you and we're going to be seeing him again, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. So I encourage you, it's okay to, to give him some hugs and stuff and, uh, and just be there for him, all right? Praise God. Amen. Amen. We love him. Thank you, church family, for being there for these guys. Amen. All right. Well, you may be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and do our Sunday morning tithes and offering. Amen. And the uh, pastor's going to be delivering the sermon today, so I'm going to be doing uh, the, the tithes and the offering. So, ushers, come on up. If you need an envelope today, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. And if you're giving online, you can, of course, go to hdwc.org slash giving. And we're going to open our Bibles this morning to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, amen. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's, a, again, a familiar passage to so many of us. But I was thinking the other day, like, some of these passages, we've heard them so many times that we just assume everybody knows this stuff. And I don't want to be like that. i got to make sure that all of us know some of these things. Yes, this is basic Christianity that I'm getting ready to read here. But we don't want to take for granted that not just everybody's heard these a million times. Amen. And so we're going to look at Malachi chapter 3. I'll be in the new King James. And what we're talking about here is the tithe. And we hear that word as church people. And we're like, yeah, duh, we know what that means. But that's not just a common word that everybody in the English language uses all the time. So a tithe simply means a tenth. It is 10%. And so back way back in the Old Testament, this is one of the neat things about tithing because sometimes you talk about it and people are like, that's just part of the, the Old Covenant. That's just part of Moses' covenant. And I'm like, uh, yeah, it was in the covenant of Moses, but guess what? It predates 
the Old Testament law. This was established before the law was ever even written later on in the Bible. And so tithing, it, it, it's before the law and it's after the law of Moses and it's here even to this day. The book of Hebrews talks about it and Jesus even said, yes, you should tithe, just don't neglect the other important things. But Malachi chapter 3, starting at verse 8 in the New King James, it says, Will a man rob God? And I'm like, man, of course not. I wouldn't want to rob anybody, especially don't want to rob God. He says, yet yeah, you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God replies, in tithes and in offerings. And, and so he makes a distinction there. There's tithes. And then there's offerings. And so the tithe is the 10% that I just give to God anyway. Because way back in Leviticus 27, it tells me that the tithe, that's already set apart as holy. So I just right away, I give that to God. But then he also says here that there's a thing called offerings. And that's what we do when we're giving to the missionaries or maybe some of the other charity organizations and things. And so offerings are a really great thing. But check it out. He says in verse 9, you're cursed with a curse for you've robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Well, what's the storehouse? They would have called it the temple, and in 2022, we would call it the church. And so he says, bring all the tithes into the temple, into the church, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And we're thinking, man, that sounds really, really good. And so when we bring the tithe, when we honor God with our finances, what does it do? One thing it does is it shows us that we really do trust the Lord. Because Jesus himself said, wherever your treasure is, wherever you put your money, there your heart is also. And so I know if I'm willing to trust God with my money, absolutely, I'm trusting him. And it says he will open up the windows of heaven on your life and pour out such a blessing that there's not even room enough to receive it all to yourself. Well, what does that mean? That means that you've got extra. You've got leftovers. You can help other people out too. And I'm telling you, that's the will of God for the Christian, not just to say, Lord, just give me enough just to take care of me and my family. That's selfish. You should be saying, God, you can trust me with finances and other blessings so much that I won't just hoard it all to myself. I'll help other people out too. Amen? That's what God wants for us today. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together. And we are going to speak some words of faith over our giving. And then we're going to have an awesome time of praise and worship. And uh, my brother did shave his beard or something there. I don't know quite what's going on, but uh, praise God. Amen. I guess the pirate thing is coming back, so that's cool. All right. So we're going to go ahead and speak some faith over our finances. And then let's worship the Lord together. And we're going to get into God's word today. And we're going to receive. Who's ready to receive from the word of God today? Amen. Yeah. I come expecting every single time. Let's say this. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family. 
to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. As always, feel free to join us at the altar as we sing today. Or you can sing from your seats. Let's sing together. I'm wandering into the night. I'm wanting a place to hide this weary soul. And this bag of bones. I tried with all my just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting. And I'm back And just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know. And he told me that I am not alone. He picked me up. He turned me Change my name.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, no matter how many times I've said it, I want to say it again. You may be God to the world, but you're Father to me. And Lord, I want to thank you today as we worship you together that we're going to see things and know things straight from your heart for us. Jesus, I know we're living in the last of the last days. And you know the you know the ending from the beginning. You know your plan, your purpose for all of our all of our lives. Everyone watching on the internet, the ones in the service. And Lord, I know the Second Corinthians two fourteen. We know your words, your will. You said you always cause us to triumph in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we know if we walk in line with your word, if we receive your anointing in our lives, no matter how big and how bad the devil tries to make things look, or problems maybe we caused ourselves, there's nothing too big and too bad that your word and your anointing won't take care of. So, we thank you today. As we learn more from your holy written word about how to talk with you, how to receive from you, and how really how to really praise and worship you, Lord, we want to thank you that our lives are going to turn out exactly, precisely how you have them planned. You said, above all else, you want us to prosper and live in divine health. He said, the number of our days you want to fulfill. And Lord, you told us. Even back in the day of Noah, that man's days would be 120. And then in the day in the days of Moses, you said there'd be a minimum of 70, 80, and more if we follow you. And so we purpose to learn more how to do that 
to walk in that because we know as long as we're on earth, there's a lot of people we can help. But once we go to heaven, we help nobody down here anymore. So, Lord, I just pray that our eyes are open today to see and to know how to live long and strong, fulfill your plan and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Woo! Glory to God. Man, I'm glad to be here. How about you? And, you know, I'm thinking about what I just prayed. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I close my eyes, I get away from everybody else. I'm up the throne. And I heard a man say years ago, he teaching about pastors and uh, congregation and, and life. He said, if you want to know a pastor's heart, listen to him pray. And so I've, I've always listened to that. And when I'm around people, when I'm around you, if we're praying and you're praying, I'm listening because when, you, when you're praying, you're not phony. You're talking to Jesus. And Dr. Barclay, my pastor, I love to hear him pray because he's talking to Jesus and I know my pastor's heart. And so you heard the things I just prayed. And that's, that's my heart. I want people to live long, live strong, fulfill everything God has for them to do because we are influencers. We are influencers. And I think about Christians that, uh, you know, you're a Christian 24-7, not just in church. And the people out there in your family, the people you work with, everybody that knows you're a Christian, you're going to influence them for good or for bad. And how many have ever been around I mean, I think about before I was a Christian is what I'm talking about, around people who are supposed to be Christians, and then all of a sudden they're like a jerk for a week or two or, or a month. They're like a jerk, and then all you think is, wow, that's, that's, what, that's what a Christian is. I sure don't want to be one of them. I can act like a jerk all the time and not have to go to church. No, I'm serious. I'm not being funny. We as Christians need to be Christians all the time. We don't take our Christian hat off when we go back out to the secular world if they go count one of the boys now, because you've already been exposed. You've already let enough Christian come out of you that they know you are. So you might as well be one. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to be talking about, about prayer, but I want to show you a couple things here. Number one, let's make sure you've all got your uh, tools for today. Did everybody get one of these, the uh, sermon outline, as well as the prayer, prayer notes for the month of June? If you need one, hold your hand up. I want to make sure... Make sure everybody's got one, because I'm going to be teaching off the prayer notes just a little bit. Plus, you need your outline. Mrs. Pastor, give yours back. And then I want to show you a couple books from the bookstore that will help you before we get into the Word. A couple Brother Hagen books. Of course, he's my favorite. But uh, this one here is called Prayer, the Will of God. The Will of God in Prayer. And these are actually little little study books you'd use for a Bible study group at home if you wanted to use it. If you wanted to have your family, you go by lesson by lesson and teach them things that, that, that I've taught, things that you've learned and things you know they'll help. And this is called Steps to Answered Prayer. Steps to Answered Prayer. And that's what I'm going to be talking about, some of these different things in prayer to get answered prayer. You know, there's a difference between praying and praying that gets answers. And... The times we live in, we need prayers to get answered. How many have ever had a prayer answered? Amen. How many want more prayers answered? And, you know, I was thinking as I was, as I was uh, worshiping the Lord with all of you a minute ago, 
about some things I've learned over the years and things that, that I've heard Brother Hagin and others teach. And this is, I'm going to give you an example I was thinking of as, as I was worshiping the Lord. How many know that the best thing to do is to pastor not any other person it's you? But if you don't know how to pray, you need somebody else to pray for you. But the most effective prayer is you. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you an example I was thinking of. Because you know exactly what it is you really want. And when you're a Christian knows the Word of God, you know how to pray the Word of God over what you want. Well, Brother Hagin was telling a story one time. I don't know if it's about him, some other preacher. But a man came up to the prayer line for prayer. He said, yes, sir, what do you want prayer for? He said, I don't want any more problems. So the preacher just bowed his head and said, God killed him, take him to heaven. And the guy said, no. He said, that's not what I want. He said, you don't want to go to heaven? He said, no, I want to go to heaven, not right now. He said, well, sir, the only way you're not going to have any problems is to go to heaven. As long as you're on earth, Jesus told us in John 16, 33, of the world you have tribulation. Amen. And then, and then in John 17, when Jesus was praying, he said, Father, I'm praying not that you take him out of the world, but you protect him from the evil that's in the world. And so there's lots of different ways that Jesus said that. The bottom line is, as long as we're on the earth, there's three types of spirits here. Human spirits, and human spirits is who you are. You're either born again or you're not. And so human spirits. And then there's the Holy Spirit, the angels of God, and there's demon spirits. Well, if all there was was human spirits, especially people get born again, and the Holy Spirit, there'd be no problem, but there's demon spirits. And so as long as we got all the spiritual warfare going on, you're going to have problems. You know, every time as a Christian you open your mouth and say what you're going to do for God, immediately Satan goes to work and thinks, what can I do to stop that? Every time you open your mouth and say, I want to witness to people, I want to give more to a ministry, I want to serve more, I want to help more people in my community, immediately the devil says, what can I do to stop that? Well, the thing is, in 1 John 4, 4, the Word of God says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so we need to know how to open the door for the greater one, the Holy Ghost in us, to go to work in our lives. We need to know how to pray effectively to take care of those attacks from the enemy. And then we need to know, we need to know what's an attack from the enemy or what's self-inflicted. You can't bind flesh, you bind spirits. Paul said you crucify flesh. And so you bind, you bind, you bind demons and you crucify your own flesh. Your flesh wants to go back to doing the old things it used to do, the old desires come back, whatever it was, you used to control your life before you were a Christian, or maybe after you were a Christian, you need to take authority over that. You need to get yourself prayed up, filled up, faithed up, and take authority and just say, no, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to go back to that life. There's nothing there for me. And then, of course, if the, if the devil's trying to put temptation in your way, you need to say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. I'm not going to fall for your tricks anymore. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And then you need to just take authority over your own will. Amen? And so we want to teach you how to pray to handle those things because I know the times we live in, there's so much ugly and so much mean all around us that Paul also said, Philippians chapter 1, that we are a light shining 
in this dark world. And so our light's shining. And, you know, I think about where I came from, more, more so back in the Midwest than here in the desert, we had bug lights outside our houses. And if you've never lived around places where they got real bugs, I mean a lot of bugs that fly, then you probably can't identify with this. But out in the Midwest and other parts where there's a lot of rain, a lot of water all the time, any kind of little light there is around your house, man, you'll get a thousand bugs in ten seconds come to that light. And so these bug lights we had out there had a little electric wire thing around them with the light in the middle. And when the bugs came, they hit that thing. We call it a bug zapper. It just zapped them out. Well, your light shining is going to attract demons. And if you don't have the power turned on, they're going to get through. Amen. Where did you hear that from, Pastor? Never heard it before just right now. That's, I was learning as you were learning. The Holy Spirit gives us examples of things to help people. That's the thing. Your light's shining already. So you're going to attract some things to try to put the light out. And so it's up to you to know how to pray to keep the light burning bright. Amen. Amen or oh me. Well, anyway, uh, now to get to the, the meat of the sermon, some things I've learned about prayer that gets heaven's answers every time. Some things I've learned personally myself about prayer that gets heaven's answers every time. I've learned a lot of things off other preachers and other people teach the word of God. I've read a lot of books over the years. I've studied the Bible a lot and I've learned a lot. But this is just things that are so real to me for the for the last few weeks or I'd say last two or three weeks. I've been really knowing the Lord wanted me to change our devotional thing we do on the monthly study like that. And so I just sit down Saturday and I wrote this out in just about an hour's time, just because I wouldn't have to study anything as me. And so things I've put here are things that's worked for me for 42 years. Things I've got results from. I've just, so many things, cancers healed in our lives, lives of lots of people we prayed for, people delivered from drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion, marriages put together, lives restored, uh, people going through serious financial crisis because they got laid off, lost jobs, or they done dumb things themselves and lost their own job, that we've shown people how to pray, what to do to be able to come out on top. And, you know, I, I just want to say this again because you got to keep on hearing this. The devil, P- Pastor Dave taught this, John eight forty four. Satan's a liar, the father of lies. And so God doesn't care if the crisis you're in, you caused it, or just attacking the devil, he wants you to win. Because if the devil hammers you, well, you caused this yourself, duh. Yeah, big deal. Jesus is the answer, regardless. If you caused it yourself, 1 John 1, 9 tells you that you confess the sin to him. He's faithful and just forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He looks at you. He says, well, that's my son. That's my daughter. Satan, back off. They're going to win this. Amen. Amen. And, you know, I, I think about... Different Bible verses. I want to get to this, but you know, I got so much in me, it comes out. Proverbs says, uh, you, you knock a righteous man down seven times, he'll get back up. But then he says, says, you old wicked sinner, one time's enough to knock you out. And then Jesus said, if your brother sins, how many times do you forgive him? He said seven times seventy. In one day. And so if we as human beings are asking God, to forgive and forgive and forgive and to forgive if somebody does something against us. You think God's going to be any lesser? 
Amen. And you know, what I've told people as a pastor for years and years and years of this is this. Especially people go through really, really hard times and they've done dumb things, dumb things, dumb things, dumb things. And they say, here I am, I'm dumb again. I've said, hey, you're still breathing, aren't you? Yeah. I said, well, as long as you're still breathing, you can change it. Amen. As long as you're still breathing, you can once again say, Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I hate that. I fell for it again. Jesus, help me. You know what he says? Come on, let's go. Amen. But then he told, he told a man in the Gospel of John, he said, but go and sin no more. What happens if you go and then you make it for a while and you sin some more? Jesus, help me. Amen. I just, I just want to make sure you get that because it's so sad to see Christians that you're trying to pray for and help. And they say, but pastor, you don't understand. I caused this. I said, okay. No, you don't understand, pastor. I caused this. Okay. You don't understand. I caused this. Okay. Jesus is the answer. Jesus will help you fix this. Jesus knows who you are. He knows what's going on. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep looking to Jesus. But what happens if I do it again? Jesus said, forgive your brother seven times 70. You think he's not going to forgive you again? Amen. And so we just want to make sure we as Christians know that he wants us to win. Amen. And so anyway, as we start looking at this, I've, ch- I've changed the format because I wanted to go just Bible reading, put a little bit of what I've got in there. But at the same time, not a full-blown devotional, just enough to give you something to chew on, little little nuggets, because I don't want to overdose you where you don't want to do anything. But I want to give you nuggets of most everything I put in there. If you've sat under the ministry for very long, you've heard me say these things over and over and over and over again because they're real to me. But uh, every month I'm going to focus on a different topic. I'll probably do it healing, financial things, family things, love things, job things. Faith things, I don't know what all come out, but anyway, I'll, I'll just sit down, and because it's in me so strong, I'll just start writing down nuggets with verses to give to you. And so, I'm asking you, when you read these, think about them all day long. And these verses, you know, we're so big on faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the Word of God. If you'll take these verses, because I'm going to give a lot of verses, just short stuff, so you'll get it. I'd rather you get it than just try to prove how much Bible you read. Amen. Amen. And so write these verses down. And matter of fact, because Mrs. Pastor's putting them on these papers now, you can start, if you want to, buy a little binder or something and keep them together. And you can make your own little devotional out of it and go through them at different times. And if you're going through a, a dry prayer season, then pull out the pastor's notes. And start going through them again and get yourself sharpened up again. You know, I think about, I think about tools. You ever heard the thing, man, they're really sharp? Or they used to be really sharp. Well, I've had tools that used to be really sharp too till I used them. And then I had to sharpen myself or get somebody sharpened for me. And so the way you get sharp again is do what you did to get sharp originally. <clears throat> Go back and sharpen up again. Amen. Cause you want to stay spiritually sharp. And so, as I was beginning to write this lesson out, I got to thinking about some of the older guys in the Bible. And I thought about King David. And in Psalms 37, 25, we've spoke this verse a lot of times, taught on it. He said, I've been young, now I'm old. And you know, I know some people have a problem getting old. I don't have a problem getting old. 
I'm, I'm going to get old, but I'm not going to get senile. Amen. I'm going to get old, but I'm not going to get sick. I'm going to get old. I was going to minister a different way I used to. I've been able to shift the church over to my sons and their families. They run the church now, and I help them, but I do things different. And But anyway, he said, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And then another person talked about getting older is Apostle John. In 3 John, and everybody's pretty familiar with 3 John too, but in 3 John, he starts off by saying, talking about John, he said, the elder. He said, I'm John the elder now. I'm not John the kid. Well, I'm Pastor Samples, the elder now. I've been younger, now I'm older. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. And then John said, <clears throat> as he got older, he said in verse 2, above all things, I want you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And so, like these, like these great men of the Bible, I've been around a while. I've walked closely with Jesus. I've learned some things through God's Word and by practical experience through good times and bad times. I want to say something again. You're going to have good times and you're going to have bad times hit you. And the difference between what happens through bad times is how you know to pray, what you know to do. Bad times come to everybody, saved and unsaved. But what are you going to do when bad times come? That determines how they are. And so, like these two great men of the Bible, Apostle John said, I want you to prosper and live in divine health, even as your soul prospers. And when great men of God speak, I listen to every word. The last thing that John said in that verse was, even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. And so what kind of spiritual life you choose to live will determine your level of victory. Even as your soul prospers. So just because you get born again does not mean automatic easy street. When you get born again, you've got to come to the table and eat. You got to do spiritual exercises. You got to work out in the Word. And really, you'd do good to listen to what David said in Psalms 1. He says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit at the seat of the scornful. You need to choose your friends wisely. You need to choose who you hang out with wisely. You know, I, I was thinking, when singing that song, well, I was thinking about different things. I was thinking, I remember the time when I did a lot of drinking. I was stupid. I did a lot of dumb things. And I remember in 1979, Jesus began drawing me. I think, glory to God, I'm so glad I've delivered from that world. Or I woke up and didn't even know how I got there. Then I'd wake up and be in trouble and then be so embarrassed. What did I say to him last time? What did I do? Oh, what did I do? What did I say? Well, I hung around drunk, so what did I get? Hang around dopes, what are you going to get? Hang around with holy Christians, what are you going to get? Amen. And at the same time, we got to know that we're missionaries to the world. We're not isolationists. And so I think we see enough sinners, goofed up people in our workday out there, that when we clock out, we don't have to go hang out with them. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. <laughs> 
Somebody said, well, pastor, I can't just hang out with Christians all the time. Well, how many hours a day are you out there with sinners? Then how many, how many hours a week are you with Christians? Well, I do go to church on Sunday. Okay, how many hours do you go to work? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying there's some things we have to do to get in position to be able to walk closer to God. And so, you know, this is uh, Pastor Samples, been young, now I'm older. Now, I'm the elder. I'm not elderly, I'm the elder. I've lived a while, I've learned some things. I've never, ever, ever yet seen a Christian that hangs out with people that don't know Jesus more than they do Christians. I've never seen them have a very victorious life. When you choose, when you choose the kind of life you're going to win, you're going to live, then you're going to win more. And so one more time, I want to say this in Third John 2. The elder John said, even as thy soul prospers. And so see, there's always the God part and the man part to the kind of life you live. God already said, my will is, I don't want to ever see you forsaken or begging, nor your descendants. I don't want to see you sick and broke. He said, I want you prosperous and healthy, but said, that's the choice of yours. How prosperous is your soul going to be? And so, you know what that says to me? I'm, I'm getting to my notes. But, you know, when you're a sponge, you get squeezed, it comes out. And so there's a lot in me to come out. And so what that says to me also in Third John 2 is God wants you blessed spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, socially. And if I were a note taker and I heard a man of God say that, man, that's a mouthful. I'd write some of that down. I want to say it again. God wants you blessed spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, socially. That's five different realms that we live and function in. Out of those five realms, if it is deficient, it cripples you in the rest. Amen. Amen. I can't wait to read these devotionals. It's going to be good. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> God, God wants you to win life's battles. And it starts with your prayer life. Others can pray for you, but now for you're filling the blanks to make sure nobody misses out because, you know, I might not get to answer your question. They say, Pastor, what was that one? Well, here it is. You must learn and develop a prayer life that pleases God and gets results. You must learn and develop your own prayer life that gets results. And, you know, I've said this a lot of times, too. This will probably be in the devotion. Sometimes uh, the the Jimmy prayer doesn't get much. How many here have heard my Jimmy prayer? They know the Jimmy prayer. Dear God, my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. That's the kind of prayer too many Christians know. That's all they ought to pray. Is God, God, God. Help, help, help. Give, give, give. Do, do, do. And he says, I'm not your servant. <laughs> said, I'm your helper. I'm your blesser. But there's something on your end you gotta do. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you to develop your prayer life. And so look at your June 1st thing. It'll probably be on the screen up there too. But look at the June 1st scriptures from Pastor Samples. And I made this statement. We're gonna look at some couple things in Luke chapter 18. But I made this statement. One definition of prayer is 
a believer joining forces with God the Father, fellowshipping with him, and carrying out his will upon the earth. I want you to think about that. And that's something Brother Hagin said a lot of times. As a matter of fact, Brother Hagin has that in his prayer devotionals. But I think he got that off E.W. Kenyon. E.W. Kenyon is a man I've studied a lot under also in years gone by. He died in 1948. But he was a word of faith preacher before there was word of faith preachers. He was really sharp. And Brother Hagin got a lot off him. But I think Kenyon's once said that. What definition of prayer is a believer joining forces with God? A believer joining forces with God the Father, fellowship with Him, and carrying out His will upon the earth. I'll give you a fresh example from last night. You know, I wouldn't even think about this to now. I just walk in this so much, I don't constantly think about it. We live on a lake now. we got a lot of big trees by our house. And I was watching the trees blow pretty severely last night. Mumford, did you see those trees blowing last night? They live on the other side of the lake. And so anyway, this great big branch came down. And it didn't hit my boat, it fell beside my boat. And so we was looking, it was ferocious. I looked out there for a while. I thought, man, this, this is enough. And so Jesus was the will of God in action. If you want to know God's will, Jesus said things like, I always do what the Father does. What I hear is what I say. What I see him do is what I do. Jesus was in a boat on water with big waves. And the wind was strong, about to do those guys damage. And so I just looked out there at the wind, finally, I thought, man, I said, I said, I've had enough of you. I walked out in the backyard, and it was, whoosh, bad. I just pointed my finger at it. I said, in the name of Jesus, cease and desist. And then I said, Jesus, you told me in John 14, 12. And see, I'm not on my knees in a secret place praying. I'm standing out there, but I'm praying because I'm talking to him. I said, Jesus, you said to John 14, 12, the works that you do, would I do also. And greater works because you go to the Father. I said, Jesus, you in the boat, you said, peace be still, and obeyed you. I said, Jesus, I did what you told me to do. Well, see, I joined forces with him, stop any more damage on our lake. And the wind, within five minutes, started getting lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser. And it got really calm and really started getting peaceful. Did you guys notice the change later on last night when things started backing off on your side? Wasn't looking, just sleeping. Okay, Joe. <laughs> but, but there was a major difference in the wind. We still had wind, but it wasn't killing wind. But see, it joined forces with God. God did not want those trees around that lake blowing down and tearing up people's stuff. But we've got authority but we've got to know how to join forces with God to bring his will to pass on earth. And I think about us in our realms of influence. I better get back to my notes, I guess. But uh, I think about us our realms of influence. We are assigned by God to specific geographical places on earth. That's why believers need to pray about where to go to church at. Pray where to work at. Pray where to buy or rent a house at. We need to be stationed where God wants us. Well, we're the center of God's perfect will. We've got authority that's out of this world. We've got authority to change things on our jobs so that people can be open to the gospel. We've got authority where we live to change our neighborhoods. 
We've got authority to pray for our churches, our pastors, fellow church members, to make life better for them. Amen. See, that's what we're talking about, joint forces with God to bring his will to pass. And as Christians, there's a difference between us and people that don't know Jesus. When we see messed up, goofed up people in life that are, that are mean, going through hard times, that are drunks, whatever they are, we've got authority over the devil to break the power of the devil over their life so they can get right with God. And then, if they choose not to, they resist too long, then they might get in trouble with God. But at least we can open the door for the Holy Spirit to work with them. You see what I'm saying? God wants everybody to be saved. Second Peter 3, 9 says so. He wants everybody to be saved, but Christians are the ones that are called to testify, to preach the gospel, to pray, to get the devil off their case so they can listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we've got to know how to pray. We've got to know how to pray. So, so you must learn to develop a prayer life that pleases God and gets results. And so then, uh, Luke chapter 18, I'm, all I'm going to look at is really verse 1 and verse 7 and 8. But what this is about, verse 1 says, He spake a parable unto them to this end, Men ought always to pray and not to faint, or not to give up. Don't ever quit when you're praying for somebody. Don't ever quit when you're praying about situations to turn. If you stay in faith, and we'll show you how more and more about that. You stay in faith, God's going to answer. And so this parable he's talking about, there's a woman, a widow woman, that was being wronged by some people. And she came to a judge. And Jesus said it was an unjust judge, so that means an ungodly man. And so the example he gave was, this woman pleaded and begged with this judge. And finally the judge said, man, she's wearing me out. I've got to do something to help her. And so then after all that was said... I want you to look at verse 7. And this is for us as Christians. So this was an unjust judge he was talking about. And he helped her. And so he says, and then verse 7, And shall not God avenge or vindicate his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? Now look at this. Talk about prayer when you're in crisis. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. What's the will of God for getting you out of trouble? Speedily. He'll vindicate them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about faith. Talk about faith mixed with your prayer. He says men ought always to pray and not give up. And says God will answer. He'll vindicate speedily. But when he comes, we find faith on the earth. And so, uh, God is no respecter of persons. This is your fill in the blanks again. He is a respecter of faith. God is a respecter of faith. God's no respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. Jesus said, he's always looking for faith. And I think about, I think about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I've said this for years. I'm going to keep on saying it because you keep on needing to hear it until you get it. If you want to know the will of God concerning sickness, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus healed everybody that looked to him in faith. I think about the woman with the issue of blood. We've taught that so many times. Jesus was in a crowd, 
had a woman had 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 a had a had a female issue for uh, what was it, 13 years, 12, 13 years. And in the crowd of people, Jesus said, the crowd's thronging me. He said, these, these people are mobbing me. All of a sudden, he stopped and said, hey, somebody touched me. His disciples said, Jesus, there's a crowd, man, everybody's touching you. And what Jesus said, paraphrase, no, somebody reached out to me with faith. And so he said, I felt anointing leave. And so that woman knew she was healed. And the crowd was touching. I see heaven. Heaven right now has been bombarded with prayers from around the world. A lot of people cried out. But the difference is some people are in faith when they're crying out. And when faith touches heaven, it's like when that little old guy at the front row started walking again. Is this thing going dead or something? When this little guy in the front row, Pastor Dave, had cancer and was crippled, faith touched heaven, he jumped up and he was healed. And, you know, I don't say this in a mean way, but that children's hospital we were in, but there were a lot of little children. I don't know anybody else out there jumped up, started walking, and cancer disappeared. And there's no bragging, it's bragging on Jesus. Jesus had raised me in a church like this that taught the Word of God. And so I knew, and Mom knew, hold that down, Tom, see if that helps. That helped. And so I knew how to pray the prayer of faith. And so faith made him whole. When I got blood cancer and the bad heart stuff I had in uh, 2018, faith touched heaven, I got healed. And so that's what I'm telling you. It says Jesus is looking for faith. Jesus is looking for faith, and it works in every area of life. And so he says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, we find faith on earth. And so listen to this. Every prayer is not the prayer of faith, but every prayer should be prayed in faith. And, you know, this this will be different prayer lessons. Brother Hagin in those books talks about them. But there's a prayer of petition. That's the prayer of asking God for something, where you let your request be known unto God. There's a prayer of faith. Where Jesus said, you speak to the mountain, tell it to be removed, and it has to obey you. That's prayed in faith. And then the, there's a prayer of consecration, dedication, where you're on your knees. And God's dealing with you in your heart about something serious to do in life. And like, perhaps, quit one job, go to another job that may look like it pays less. It may not be exactly where people think you ought to be. But you know, Jesus wants you there. And you're on your knees. He said, Father... I've given this to you, not my will, but thy will be done. That's the prayer of consecration. And then you got the prayer of praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And the prayer of dedication. There's so many different kinds of prayers, but every one of those prayers have one denominator, common denominator to get answers. It's called faith. And so every prayer is not the prayer of faith, but every prayer should be prayed in faith. Hebrews 11, 6, most of you are familiar with this, says, says faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. And so when you're talking to Jesus, now listen to this. I, I may be getting this new territory for some of you. But when you're talking to Jesus, you need to learn the language of faith if you truly want answers. You need to learn the language of faith if you want answers. And and I, I was thinking about stuff I, I wrote down that the Lord spoke to me years ago. Now listen to this. I, I think this will help you. Uh, 
You know, we've been to a few foreign countries. I'm not a missionary like a lot of, you know, people have been to lots and lots of countries. I've been to several countries. And one thing I found out for sure, while I go to another country and I can't speak the language, if I don't have an interpreter with me or somebody else that can communicate, I feel so helpless. I feel so lost. I think about when Stan Wagner, my music minister, I were, we were in Vienna, Austria. We were there for a couple of days waiting on planes, and we were on our own. We'd had no interpreters with us, man. I didn't speak German. And I remember I'd always heard something about the Germans eat schnitzel. I thought, man, I don't know what schnitzel is, but that must be what they eat. So I went into, we went into a restaurant, and we, they had a meat counter there, the way they do their stuff there. And we sat down, the only thing I recognized, they had, they had the drinks they were serving, had a Pepsi logo on it in German, so I thought, that's gotta be Pepsi. But then I said, they said, what do you want? I thought, uh, uh, schnitzel. So they said, you know, they made the stuff like that. Then they got my hand, walked me over to the meat counter. And they had, <laughs> I don't know, there were 20 or 30 things there. And everyone says, something schnitzel, something schnitzel. I thought, man, they're all schnitzels. <laughs> and so we didn't know what to do. All we could do is look at them and look at the one look looked like it might be something we could swallow and pointed at it. Yeah, We want that schnitzel. But you know what? If I'd had somebody else there with me that could speak the language, they would have told me what kind of schnitzel that was. And and so I think about when you go to a foreign country, it makes it a whole lot easier to navigate if you can speak the language. Now think about us. The Bible says, in lots of different ways, that we are temporary residents on earth. But our true citizenship is in heaven. That's why we say, like Pastor Dave said a while ago, when we leave, says we're going home. Well, we're just visitors. This isn't home. This is temporary. But we're spirit beings. Our spirit got born again, but our body didn't. But we need our body to navigate. But our spirit is in contact with heaven. And I say all the time, the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad, what we do in the spiritual arena. And so we need how to speak heaven's language if we're going to navigate successfully the spiritual realm. Because how we function in the spiritual realm will determine the quality of life we have in the natural realm. Now listen closely to what I'm saying. I want to make sure I get this across to you right. The language of heaven is the language of faith. If you don't need how to, if you don't learn how to pray in faith, then you've got to have an interpreter. What I mean by interpreter, you've got to come up to the altar every time and say, Pastor Dave, Pastor Katie, uh, Mrs. Pastor, whoever's the prayer line, I need you to pray for me. You know why? Because evidently sometimes, and I'm not saying this in a really negative way, we do need help in prayer. But you should be the primary one communicating. Not have to go through somebody else to get your answers. Because what you're saying when you come up here, and this is not a put down, I want to make sure nobody receives this wrong. If you don't know how to communicate yourself, you always need somebody else. That's why you got to have by your telephone, well, they don't have telephones anymore. I don't know where they put it at now. You have to have on your, wherever is that, the prayer line. For this ministry, prayer line for that ministry, prayer line. You got to have the prayer line because you got to go through the interpreter because they know how to speak the prayer of faith. But you ought to be able to be your own prayer line. 
You need to learn the language of faith. You need to have faith in your faith. How are we doing on time? We're doing okay. I can stick with that line in a minute then. And so something that I've always taught people is this. And listen, boy, I hope you're taking notes because I've given you some good stuff right from heaven right now. Before you learn the language of faith, you've got to learn the language of silence. You've got to learn how to keep your mouth shut. Because until you have learned the language, has anybody ever heard any of the jokes that people play sometimes? They'll be a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, you see them, they'll say things like, man, this guy worked with a bunch of Hispanic people, and he doesn't really know the language. They said, how do you say this in Spanish? They'll tell him something, it'll be a dirty joke or something stupid. So he walks up to a woman and says, hey. And he thinks he's saying something like, you look lovely today, I hope you have a good day, but he wasn't saying that. And man, whoop! And all those guys over there are laughing because he said the wrong thing. Well, we've been so programmed before we were born again and started getting our mind renewed to the Word of God. Proverbs 18.21 says it this way, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And so you're so programmed to speak of death. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like physical dying. I'm talking about death in your marriage. Death over your finances. Death over your children. What do you mean by that? Well, those little rug rats, they'll never amount to anything. Boy, there's a lot of faith in that for your kids to do right. Well, you little, well, you, well, you little, you little blessing, you're following in your dad's footsteps. And the dad might be somebody that deserted a long time ago and turned out to be a loser, but that's what you're putting on your kids. And then when you're praying, you're praying dumb things about how your money is just so terrible, you know you're going bankrupt. Well, you need to shut up. There's no faith in that. The language of faith is what heaven listens to. Proverbs ten nineteen. It's a verse God gave me. Our first God saved that really helped me to put a put a, put a, put a zip on the lip. Proverbs ten nineteen. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. He that refraineth his lips is wise. And so I learned. I learned if I didn't know, and I'm talking about, see, you're here in my heart. If I didn't know what the Bible said about a subject, I didn't say anything. And sometimes family and people thought I was retarded or something. They'd be talking to me and staring at me, talking all kinds of garbage. I knew we lived in two different worlds. And so I knew that if I agreed with them, I'd be violating my faith because I wouldn't speak in the language of faith. But I knew if I stayed silent and didn't answer them, that they're going to get mad at me and think I was unsociable. And so I had a choice. I'd either stay silent or agree with them and bring bad stuff back into my life again, or I'd just let them call me stupid, just grin. So all the time, I just let them call me stupid, I just grinned. Because they wouldn't understand anything I was saying. If I tried to say that, if I tried to tell them, no, that's not so, uh, they may have laid me off of that job, but I'll have another job very quickly because I'm a tither. And God rebukes the bar for tithers. When they have rope on me, I'll have a job quick. They couldn't understand that stuff. All they did is said things like, he's too dumb to know what's going on. He's so religious that that, ch- that church has ruined him. He doesn't deal with life now. And so if I kept my mouth shut, they just think wherever they wanted to say they wanted to. 
But then I hope my mouth in faith, I speak in heaven's language, and heaven said, Hey, hey, somebody out there is talking to us. And they get the answers. You see what I'm saying? We've got to learn the language of faith, but first, you've got to learn the language of silence. Keep your mouth shut unless you know what it is the Bible says. Amen. How many want answers? How many want to be partners with God? How many want to see your families delivered and saved? And, you know, needless to say, the times we live in right now, there's so many things out there going on. There's ever a time that needs to be at least one faith family in every family or one, one faith person in every home. Now's the time. And so you've got to learn to begin to talk faith. And so our native language, as a believer, our first language does not need to be English or Spanish. It needs to be the language of faith. Until you master the language of faith, the language of English may get you in trouble because of some of the things you say. Amen. Amen. So we want to successfully navigate, navigate through both worlds. Number one, you've got to be able to navigate through the spiritual realm. So you can control the natural realm around you. I, I praise God. I think about, I was talking to somebody the other day who, I can't, we talked to so many people. Somebody the other day, I said, well, you know what? I remember back, I remember back in the eighties when we were starting off in our married life together, we'd already had two kids apiece. So we already, we already knew what having a family was. We had that. Then we started having our own kids. I remember, I remember the times when jobs got so scarce for a while, uh, you know, I forgot about I've been seeing the news lately. The interest rate back then was 21%. I remember the first house I bought, interest rate was 18% for a home loan. I remember what those days were like. But I remember when I got laid off, and I did good if I could get $100 a week. And out of $100 a week, the first 10 went to God for a tithe. And then the next 50 went to my ex-wife for child support. Boy, that left a lot of money to feed... However, your kids, we had, had at least four or five, four or five kids. And back at who the president was that day, I won't talk about who he was, who the president was. He's the first one who got the long gas lines. He's the one when you saw cars on the side of the road waiting in line to get to the gas station and they were out of gas. And then the sides went up on the gas station. We had no gas today. I remember those days. But what I've, I said all that to say this, we came through those days by faith. Amen. You know what we ate? Whatever we could find. <laughs> we ate whatever we could find. We fed our kids, but I walked in integrity. God got the first 10%. Somebody else got $50. And we had 30 or so dollars to buy gas, to buy whatever food we could do, do everything else we could do. But you know what? We was almost like the prophet Elijah. The ravens brought food in. And God caused the water to come in. Remember that story in 1 Kings 17? It said, you go where I tell you to go, do what I tell you to do, and I'll have the birds feed you. Man, we got fed a lot of different things a lot of different times. But we made it. But you know what we did? We learned the language of faith. And I'm thinking about where we are today, how we've grown out of that following after him, the language of faith. I look at Nadine. I think about the house we just bought. Man, what a house, huh? That's sure not the shack on the other side of the track. We used to live there. But we stuck with what's going on, and we've prospered and come up in life. 
And so I'm just thinking again about John the Elder. He said, I've lived a long time. I can tell you this, above all things, God wants you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And so these prayer things, these faith things that we're teaching, we're talking about, they're real. And we've got, we've got a whole lifetime of life behind us now where we've seen it happen, where it's progressive. We've grown into it. And so listen to what we're saying. Your prayers can be the most powerful prayers for your family when you learn what we're saying. And so, uh, for, for the, for the, for our native language of faith, I want to look at June the 2nd, the second devotional on this. It'll tell you how to speak in your native language and get God's attention to release heaven's power to change things in your realm of influence and responsibility on earth. And responsibility on earth. I think about that when I wrote those notes out. That's how the Holy Spirit had them come out. Now, get this again. And, you know, if you're a carnal Christian, you may not understand this. But it doesn't change it. You have responsibility where you are to control things. You have a responsibility on your job. If there's wrong things on your job going on, if people are being mistreated, you don't have the responsibility to go up and punch them in the nose. You have the responsibility to pray. Amen. I remember when I learned that back in 1983. I was going in on the midnight shift on a truck dock, and there's a spiritual warfare going on. I wouldn't listen to my Christian radio beside the trailers where I was working, and we had the rock and roll here, had the country music here, and whatever the other stuff. Everybody tried to outblast each other the radios. And all I wanted to do is just mind my own business, be quiet, and just listen to a little bit of stuff going on in the Christian world. And man, I, I was praying and praying and praying for that. And one day the Lord just stopped me. He said, you're praying the wrong way. He said, you're praying selfish for you, what you want to do. He said, if you'll start praying for them and open doors to minister to them, I'll take care of the rest. I said, whoa. He said, I'm concerned about their salvation, not about you have to put up their stupid music. And so I stopped praying for peace so I could hear my Christian radio. But I started breaking the power of the devil over those men's lives. I started praying for open doors for God to use me to speak to their hearts the gospel. And by the time I left that job, they had to, the company had been around since the 20s. That was with the bad trucking days. They went out of business in 1984. But anyway, between that time and then... I led, I think, when I figured up all the names there, 60% of that company to the Lord. Amen. I remember the the uh, head guy, the terminal manager, would call me in sometimes. I'd go to get off work, and things were getting bad. There wasn't much work, and I, I never was an overtime guy. I didn't want overtime. All I wanted to do was clock out, man. I want to get out of here. I'd be clocking out, and the head boss would look up at me. He had a glass windows around his office, and he'd go like that. And... I'd take my time card out and I'd put it back up on the rack. I'd go back there. He's married to a Jewish lady and he wasn't a Christian. But he called me back there on overtime to explain Christianity to him. Because he wanted to show his wife things about Christians. He wanted to learn off me because he respected my walk. And I got persecution because overtime hogs got mad. They couldn't get any. And I got paid to go preach. Paid to go preach. I'd do that. And so I remember the day that there was a lady in there, it was a Baptist lady. 
And I've been talking to her some at her desk, at those little office full of desks, all these women in there and a few guys at their desk doing the business. And I gave her a book on why tongues and praying in tongues, Baptist lady. And so I walked through there one day talking to her like that. I, I said, Faye, did you read the book? She said, yeah, yeah, I like that. I said, were you ready to get filled with the Spirit? She said, yeah. I reached out and laid hands on her. And a whole office full of people. As soon as I touched her, she started blasting the office with tongues. Started praying in tongues. But the thing was, what I'm saying is this. I learned how to pray the heart of the Father. I've joined forces with Him to influence my realm of responsibility and influence. I helped change that company by how I prayed. And so what I'm telling you is this. When you begin to hook up in prayer with the Father, He'll show you things you never dreamed of. You'll say, see things through His eyes. See, everything that God sees has nothing to do with a lot of things on earth here. He wants us blessed, but more than anything, He wants people to go to heaven. And we're His undercover agents. Amen. And so I want to teach you how to pray that language now. Look at 1 John chapter 5. And this, this is from June the 2nd. And my little, little nugget I got written on there is this. God's word is God's will. Prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflect his word back up at him. And now I'll show you what we mean by that. First John chapter 5 verse 14 and 15 says this. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. I say that's faith, wouldn't you? If you got confidence in Him, isn't that faith? And we're talking about the language of faith that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, wasn't well, that prayer? If you're asking Him, isn't that prayer? If you ask Him anything according to His will, He heareth us. Well, how can we know His will? His word is His will. He says his will, Second Peter 3, died for all men to be saved. Come to the knowledge of the truth. In Romans chapter 10, it says, how are they going to hear if somebody doesn't tell them? How is somebody going to tell them if preachers aren't sent? So he tells you his will, he wants preachers to teach people. He wants preachers to preach salvation. And then the people, he said in Mark chapter 16, he said, you go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And so we're to go, we're to preach. And what's his will? These signs shall follow them that believe. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. What's his will about your money? Bring the tithe into the storehouse. So God can open the windows of heaven. Pour out the blessings. Rebuke the devourer. What's his will? Love. Faith works by love. What's his will? By the devil. What's his will? Worship him. He tells you everything in the Bible, what his will is. So he says, we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Think about what I'm talking about, the language of faith. So if we're not asking according to his will, then I would say the other side of that coin would be, he does it here. Have you ever noticed if somebody is mad at you, and yelling at you, and cussing you, and carrying on, you're not hearing them? But just a bunch of words coming, all you're thinking, man, I wish they'd get out of my face. I wish they'd get away from me, man. All they're doing is making this worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, sometimes, I think it works that way with heaven. You get little, uh, 
messy past Christians laying on the floor, pouting and whining and crying and snorting. And, God, don't you care? Don't you care? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Don't you really care? And he's just thinking, man, if you just shut up and talk to me, I want to listen to you. But I can't hear you right now throwing that fit. Well, think about this. Why would the Bible say, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us? Does that kind of infer that if we're not asking according to his will, maybe he's not hearing? We're talking about the language of faith. He says, we ask according to his will, he heareth us. But then the good news is, because we're speaking his language, it says, and if we know that he hear us, how do we know that he hear us? Because we're speaking the word. We're talking the word. And if we know that he hears what's ever asked, we know that we have. We know that we have. Is that answered prayer? And that's what we're talking about, guaranteed answers to your prayer every time. We have, we have the petitions that we desired of him. God's word is God's will. So when you're speaking his word, you talk in the language of faith. And you know, I think about how I, I, I wasn't around any people that spoke different languages back in Indiana because we just didn't have a whole lot of anything out there. I come out to California and I mean, man, everybody's speaking in Spanish all the time. And the ones that, uh, I come to so many times, they speak broken English, and it's so hard to communicate. I had some neighbors, the last place I lived at, man, they was full-blown. Uh, you know, they didn't speak any English at all. It was so hard to try to talk. They were saying things, and I was saying things about all we could do is finally start throwing up our hands and laugh at each other. And I'm sure they were saying good things. I was saying good things. And so if we're talking to heaven, isn't it nice to be able to learn the language? The language of faith. And you know, I think about speaking to that wind last night. I said, Jesus, you're the one that said the works that you did also. Well, you know what Jesus said? He's talking my language. And so I said, Jesus, you said, peace be still, and it stopped. And so I said, peace be still. I did what Jesus said to do. When I pray for people that are sick, I don't just pray some nice general prayer. I do what Jesus said. I said, Jesus, you said, lay hands on them in your name, they shall recover. Jesus, I'm laying hands on this person right now in your name. And I want to thank you, Lord, you're flowing through my hands because you said to do it. What if I said, oh, Lord, if it be thy will, kill. I said, oh, Lord, I don't know your will. But, Lord, uh, there's been some pretty mean people. Their family asked me to pray for their salvation. I don't know if you want them to go to hell or not. Oh, Jesus, if it's your will to go to hell, let them die go to hell. But, Lord, if you want to save them, I'm praying. That's not faith. That's not the language of faith. The language of faith comes to heaven, praying out what the Bible says. And then it says that if we ask it according to his will, he's listening. And then it says if we know that he's listening, we know that we have. I am so grateful that although my dad and mom were serious sinners most of their life, before they died, I knew the will of God. I remember the day right when my mom started getting Alzheimer's. She was so hardened against the gospel that my dad was actually dying when he was 69 years old in the hospital. 
I was a pastor, we would have to see my dad and my mom and my heathen brothers met me in the lobby of the hospital. And they might be watching right now, but it's a true story. And my mom looked at her watch, said, you got 15 minutes to be in there, then come out. We're coming in. That's a true story. Happened that way. He was died at 69. I led him in a prayer of salvation to that room. I prayed for his healing. He's in the John Hopkins book of medicine. They said only three known cases of what he had at that time. Two of them died, one lived. That's why I prayed for my dad. I prayed for my dad to get at least 80 years. My dad died at 83. Came out of there. You know why? I said, Lord, as I prayed, I said, Lord, I know your will. You said in Psalms 90 that the minimum people ought to live be 70. And you said they get 80. And then he told Noah up to 120. And so, Lord, I pray for my dad what the word of God says. I said, Lord, I believe in the name of Jesus you to give my dad at least 80 years. He got it. He got born again. And then my mom, a few years later, started getting Alzheimer's. And so dad visited their house when she was starting to get messed up and walked in there. She said, Bertie, come back here and talk to me for a minute. I went back there into the bedroom with her. She grabbed my hands and she said, something's wrong with me. I said, Mom, you're getting older. I said, no. I said, I mean more than that. I said, something, something's happened to me and I don't know what it is. And I said, Mom, you know, there's only one way I know to help you. I said, are you ready to receive Jesus as your Savior? Yes, I am. Pray with me. And I held my mom's hands. And the woman had been so hard against these things. She received Jesus as she lived another three or four or five years. But the thing was, even with Alzheimer's, she is a totally different woman. My mom got born again. She didn't hate black people anymore. That was a big deal. Because she had black nurses. And she was really nice with them. That never happened before. Born again brought that to pass. My mom loved little children. I don't even think she even liked my kids. But she got such a kick when somebody else's kids come out of that nursing home. My mom had the love of God in her heart. How did that happen? It happened because I know the language of faith. I know the language of heaven. When I prayed, I spoke God's language. Is this helping anybody? Amen. And so I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you're speaking his word, you talk in the language of faith. And listen to this. You're filling the blanks. Here's two good ones. When you're speaking his language, you have true fellowship. I cannot, when I was down in Nicaragua, down in Peru, over in Ukraine, down in Mexico, I've noticed that when I go to churches, places like that, a lot of their songs they sing are our same songs, so they got the same music, the same beat, stuff like that. And so I can, I can sing it in tongues, or I can sing it in English. They're all singing their language, but when we're done, I mean, it's not real fellowship, because we're talking to each other in two different languages. I mean, it's nice, we can hug, and I've learned the universal language of love is, is the universal language of the world is love. And so you can hug people, you can smile at people, that's not fellowship. But when you're talking the same language, that's fellowship. And so what I'm saying is this, when you learn God's language of faith, you really fellowship, because he speaks the word. 
Now, when you're praying the word, you're praying his language, you're having true fellowship. Amos 3.3 3 says, Could two walk together except they be agreed? And so, in closing, prayer should be God looking down to earth, seeing a mirror reflect his word back up at him. And I, want, I just want to leave this with you again. Study these June prayer verses and nuggets every day. Carry this with you and look at it during the course of the day because the little nuggets are really, really good things that have helped me over the years. Put these verses in your heart and in your mouth until they become your first language. Has anybody here, I haven't, but maybe has anybody here ever, ever learned Spanish or anything else that you didn't know before? Anybody ever studied a language? Anybody else ever studied a language you never learned? What do you think you do? You've got to put it in your thinking, in your mouth, and work at it till you get it. So anyway, your first language can become faith if you start doing that. And then you'll get heaven's answers every time. Heaven's answers every time. Amen. Let's stand up. I'll tell you what. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to some spiritual growth taking place in prayer lives. To people getting more answers. And maybe we'll get to have some testimony services where people begin to testify what the Lord's done in their lives. Amen. Pastor Dave, I'll turn it right over to you. And you're the pastor. <laughs> All right. I'm, praise the I'm Lord. I'm overseeing pastor. There you go. That's right. <laughs> well, amen. Well, we're going to stand up together today. And I mean, I pray that really we're excited about the, the new format we're doing for the monthly scriptures. Just have a little commentary and, and maybe at some point we'll get a little more into a devotion on it. But, uh, you know, let's take advantage of this, uh, this tool and this extra resource for us as we're studying the word and we're growing in our faith because we are high desert. What? Word Center, amen? We're all about the Word of God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to have Josh lead us in some worship here as we wind things down today. And if you're here and you do need prayer, uh, you just need uh, someone to hook up in faith with you in any area of your life, we're here for that today. And of course, the biggest thing of all is if we've never received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, this is the day to make that official and to really know with confidence that Jesus is your Savior and that you are going to heaven whenever this life is over for you. Amen. So let's take a few minutes here. If you need prayer of any kind, come on up. And if not, let's just worship the Lord. Amen. You call the sun to rise. You lay it down to rest. You hold this heart of mine You hold my every breath Such an awesome God So mighty So holy So wonderful Such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful you are. Seated in majesty, reigning in holy. 
table is set for me For you are the living bread Such an awesome God So mighty So holy So wonderful Such an awesome God So selfless So generous So faithful you are And nothing comes close to the Lord Almighty nothing As sweet as His love And mercy nothing Comes close to the Lord Almighty Nothing as sweet as His love And mercy and nothing Comes close to the Lord Almighty Nothing as sweet as His love And mercy Jesus, the Son of God, hung on a cross to die, but not even death itself could hold you down, for you rose to life. Such an awesome God, so mighty, so holy, so wonderful. Such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful you are. And nothing comes close to the Lord Almighty Nothing as sweet as His love And mercy Nothing comes close to the Lord Almighty Nothing as sweet as His love and mercy Such an awesome God So mighty So holy So wonderful Such an awesome God So selfless So generous so faithful you are Such an awesome God So mighty So holy 
so wonderful such an awesome God so selfless so generous so faithful you are such an awesome God so mighty so holy so wonderful such an awesome God so selfless so generous so faithful you are and nothing comes close to the Lord almighty nothing as sweet as his love and mercy nothing comes close to the Lord almighty nothing as sweet as his love and mercy hallelujah amen well we're going to go ahead and close things out today we pray that everybody's received from the word of god and i mean come on you let's take advantage of this resource and all the resources we have to draw closer to him and i know it's the summer months and and in traditional uh, times you see people kind of start to chill out over the summer and kind of loosen up on their faith but don't do that man don't take a vacation from god this summer you know one thing we learned a long time ago is the devil don't take no vacations amen <laughs> and sometimes you see people just kind of, you know, get, get just let go of the Lord and, 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 and live, for, you know, kind of whatever way. But stick close to Jesus all throughout these summer months. Amen. And we're going to see Jesus come real soon and we're going to be ready for whatever comes ahead. Amen. Well, we want to remind you that there's no service tonight. So, you know, spend some family time. Everybody enjoy your holiday tomorrow and, uh, and take advantage of all that. And of course, remember the holiday we are celebrating where we are remembering and giving thanks to those that gave their life for our great nation. That's no joke. That's something we always want to remember and be thankful for. And uh, just pay attention to all the upcoming stuff. June's going to be busy again, but there's plenty of opportunities to connect with the rest of the family here. Amen. All right, let's raise our hands and close out this morning, and then we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen in your word today. And we thank you that just as it said in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, that we can have confidence that you are hearing our prayers. And Lord, if we're praying in line with your will, Lord, you said that you'll just give it to us. And we thank you that we are confident in you. Lord, use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. And I thank you that every household and family and person here is blessed. Lord, we are safe. We are surrounded uh, by the angel armies, Lord, just as Psalm 34 tells us. And we thank you that these marriages and these families are blessed and healthy and prosperous in every possible way. We love you and we praise you today. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over Barstow. Let's do this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. 
Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. We will see you Wednesday.